morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I want to say um, hello to everyone here in Waukesha, those of you that are over in Pewaukee, and of course, anyone who's joining us on our online campus. If you are um, not sure who I am, my name is Sue. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Well, have you ever been super excited to share something with someone else, expecting, you know, laughter or shock or some kind of other excitement back from them, only to be met with a blank stare? Well, this has happened to my husband, Steve, and I more times than we can count. I think it's part of the job description of parenting. But I can remember one really specific time when um, one of our girls was in sixth grade, and she was in a social studies unit about Egypt. And so every student had to create something to um, display at the ancient Egyptian museum. So we're brainstorming ideas, and of course, King Tut comes up. And my husband, Steve, is like, oh, oh, you should play that Steve Martin King Tut song at your exam. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's so funny, you should definitely do that. So we look it up on YouTube and we play the video for our kids and we're singing along and we're laughing and completely blank stares. Yeah, I think the response was, Dad, that's just weird. But responses are important, aren't they? I mean, oftentimes they are key to relational interactions, to know how we perceive ourselves and how others are perceiving us. And when a response is positive, we feel valued and connected to another person. But when a response is neutral or non-existent, we can feel a little bit judged or embarrassed or at the very least, awkward. And while I pay a lot of attention to um, how other people respond to me, I'm also clued into how I'm responding to situations in my life. And the older I get, the more I realize that my responses have a lot to do with what's going on inside of me. Um, if I'm having a good day with a lot of positive, upbeat interactions, then I have a positive response. But if there's a lot of a negative self-talk going on in my head, then I tend to have a little bit more sassy response to people around me. And what's in my heart and in my head tends to come out in my words and my actions. And so today, like John said, we're wrapping up our Recalibrate series, and it's been a series all about how worship recalibrates our hearts and really our entire lives towards God. And we need this type of recalibration, don't we? Because as we go through the ups and downs of life, we can get off track spiritually. So we need a place to get filled up again in order to get back on the right direction. So throughout this series, we've been learning what it means to be a true worshiper, not just on the weekends, but with our whole lives. And we talked about remembering, how reflecting back on what God has already done in our lives, that that type of remembering is an act of worship. And we talked about receiving how God is a generous giver and how he loves to be at work in us when we all worship together. But worship, I think, is incomplete. I think it's missing something without a response of some kind. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So as we remember who God is, as we focus on what we receive, good things for him, how are we going to respond? What does it look like to respond to God in worship every day, not just in here, in our church service, but out there in our daily lives as we follow Jesus? Before we dive into what that response looks like, I want to remind you of the definition for worship that we talked about back in week one of the series. Worship is giving our whole selves to God. Do you remember that definition? I went ahead and put it up on the screen. Let's read it together. Worship, giving your whole self to God. 
So this means our inner life, our thoughts and our feelings, and our outer life, our words and our actions, they're all involved in worship. And worship, I think, can also be described as the act of pouring oneself out. I mean, whether we realize it or not, we're all pouring ourselves out for something. And we could be pouring ourselves out for another person, someone that we love, so we're constantly and regularly giving to that person, pouring into that relationship. We could pour ourselves out for a cause of something, something like we're really passionate about some sort, and so we give our time and our energy and our resources to that cause. Or maybe we pour ourselves out into an experience or a hobby, something that we're good at, and so we want to make sure that we accomplish it before it's too late, either professionally or personally. And every human being pours themselves out. Everybody worships something. And when a person makes a decision to follow Jesus, we direct this outpouring to God. He becomes our focus. He becomes our center, and we give our whole selves to him. And like I said earlier, our response on the outside is tied to what's going on inside. So whatever we're filled up with on the inside, that's what comes out. So what we've received from God pours out of us in a response of worship every day, not just in here, in our services, but out there, Monday through Friday, as we encounter people and situations and decisions and opportunities day after day. So what would it look like if we poured out into the world all the good and right and loving things about God into our relationships and circumstances? And how do we even do that? How do we respond to life in a way that reflects that we've given our whole self to him? Well, I want to look at a passage in the Bible today that describes what this type of lifestyle looks like. And then I want to walk through how we prepare ourselves on the weekend during our services to respond regularly in our lives in a worshipful way. I want you to see how the structure of a church service really equips us to live a life of worship to God every day in every way. Because worship is a response and we're filled up to pour out in our daily lives. So let's turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. And if you have a Bible with you, Colossians is found in the New Testament. So you want to flip a little bit past the four Gospels. Um, if you're going to use the Bible in the seat back in front of you, I looked it up, it's page 822. And um, if you have a Bible app, it's just a couple clicks until you get to the book of Colossians. But Colossians is a book that was written to a church that's still learning what it means to be followers of Jesus. Just like all of us, they need to continue to grow and learn in their faith. And in chapter 3, Paul is encouraging these believers to become in experience what's already true about them because of Jesus' grace and forgiveness. And so in the beginning of the chapter, he reminds them to put aside their old behaviors, to focus on their new selves, the character, the actions that were being developed inside of them as they continue to follow. Jesus' teaching. And in verse 12, he reminds them that they are chosen by God, that they're dearly loved by God. And then he tells them to fill themselves up with godly characteristics like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And he goes on to challenge them to embrace forgiveness and peace and love and gratitude. And as the Colossians, and really all of us today, allow God to grow these types of attributes inside of us, we'll be filled up on the inside with what we need to pour out God and pour out a life that worships God. But verses 16 and 17 is where I really want to focus today because I believe those verses kind of give us some instruction on how to make sure that we're filled up. How do we get ourselves to that place where we can pour out and respond in worship? So let's read starting in verse 16. 
It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, when we think about worship being a response, when we think about being filled up to pour out, these verses kind of create a picture of how that happens. The more I read and studied this passage, the more I was starting to see it kind of like a sequence of worship, things that we can do in here in the church service as well as in our everyday lives. Let me show you what I mean. So for the first step, you want to have that first phrase in verse 16 where it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. So we really need to be filled up with the true message of who God is, why Jesus came, and what faith in him means to us. So maybe the first time that you heard the truth about Jesus was in a service just like this one. Maybe someone was standing up front like I am, and they were telling the story about Jesus. Or maybe you saw a video somewhere about how Jesus came to earth as a little baby, and he grew up and went to the cross to die for our sins. Or maybe you were reading in the Bible, and you started to read about how everybody needs forgiveness, and God can supply that. Or maybe you had a friend who told you that they started going to church, that they learned what it meant to have a close personal relationship with Jesus so that they could access the power and the love that God provides. And I think at most church services, we share this message over and over and over again each week. We look at different aspects of it. We focus on understanding it. We talk about how to apply it to our lives so that the message takes root or dwells in us like the verse says. Theologian N.T. Wright says that the church should be filled with good teaching like a palace is filled with treasures. And our faith is strengthened a little more every time we hear the message of Christ. Every time we learn more, we're filled up in our hearts and our minds with the truth of the message. And then we move on to the next phrase in the passage where it says, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And as the message of Christ fills us up, we worship God by pouring that teaching out, what we're learning, into other people. And one of the ways that the message pours out of us is through singing. Now think about it, the words and the concepts from the songs that we sing here in our church services, they come directly from the word of truth, directly from the Bible. And so it makes sense that they would fill us up and then we would pour that truth back out to each other by singing. So let me ask you a question. How many times have you been to a church service, maybe one like this one or somewhere else, and you left that service and you were still humming or hearing a line from one of the songs in your head after you left? Even if you're a person who doesn't sing regularly, even if you kind of tend to just be a listener during the music, have you ever had that happen to you where you're still hearing one of the lines from the songs? Yeah, there's actually a term for that. It's called an earworm. An earworm is when a song lyric gets stuck in your head and you can't stop reciting it or singing it all day long. Yeah, song lyrics like, it's a small world after all, it's a small world. Yeah, you can see how that happens, right? Or what about, who let the dogs out? Yeah, that's as far as I'm going to go with that one. Um, but I was singing that, who let the dogs out, for like two days after I researched this. There's actually research on earworms. Well, it's a Wikipedia page, but for some people that's considered research. And there's even a cure suggested on that page. Apparently, if you chew gum or do a Sudoku puzzle, you can get that song lyric out of your head. So you're welcome. Now you know how to get who let the dogs out out of your head next Tuesday. 
Yeah, you're welcome. So obviously, music and song lyrics are powerful things, and we wouldn't, shouldn't be surprised that God knew this. And that's why the scriptures encourage us to sing songs. I mean, for centuries in the English-speaking world, churches would just take the psalms from the Old Testament and put them to music. They would write songs about how God loves and provides, and what happened was that those truths would get stuck in their heads. And of course, church music has since expanded to the type of songs that we sing today or the songs that we hear on the radio like K-Love or on a Spotify playlist. In fact, River Glen has recently put together their own Spotify playlist with songs that we sing during our services on a regular basis, so you might want to check that out. But when the words from a song about God get stuck in your head and in your heart, then the message of Christ is dwelling in us. And the words remind us who God is. They remind us what God has done. They talk about what God can do in our lives. And when we all sing together, we're reminding each other what's true about God. So I want to try something a little different today. I want to invite our worship leader back up on stage so we can sing a song together with this teaching in mind. And if you aren't a singer normally, I want to encourage you to just to give it a try, even if you sing in the quietest possible voice that you can. I want to encourage you to let the words of the song get stuck in your head. Let the truth dwell inside of you today. We chose the song, No Longer Slaves, because it contains some powerful lyrics that come from um, verses like Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, and a bunch of other verses as well. Um, there's phrases like, I'm a child of God. You have chosen me. I'm surrounded by the arms of the Father. And as you sing the words today, let one of those phrases really dwell in your heart, even become an earworm over the next couple of days. The practice of singing here in this room can pour out wisdom to others all week long. Let's sing together. Will you stand with me? You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. No harm, no
It's powerful, isn't it? Singing is just one of the ways that we pour out teaching and wisdom to one another. We also pour out teaching when we join a group and we share what we're learning with other people. It could just be a discussion about the weekend message or it could be talking about some verses that you're reading in the Bible in a Bible reading plan. And when we respond to Christ by sharing the wisdom that we're learning with other people, we're worshiping God with our lives. We're giving our whole selves to him. This brings us to the next part in the sequence in the verse, the phrase, with gratitude in your hearts. And a natural response of giving our whole selves to God is gratitude. As we consider all that God has done for us, his love, his forgiveness, 
his power at work in us, the gift of relationships, the way he's created each of us to be talented in a unique way. It just makes sense that the thankfulness pours out of us. And in the church service, we've carved out specific moments to express this thankfulness. When we take communion together each week, it's the moment when we remember and we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for bridging the gap between us and God. Thank you, God, for making a way for us to have a close, personal relationship with you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives and lives in us and guides us. And maybe you've never thought about communion as a springboard for living a life of gratitude, but if all good gifts come from our Father in heaven, like James reminds us in the New Testament, then the ultimate gift is the gift of the Son that God gave us, the gift of Jesus. So maybe you've gotten into the habit of receiving communion kind of like a routine and forgetting to reflect on the gift that it represents. And if you were here last weekend, we took communion from the front of the stage so that we could focus on receiving as we shared communion together. But today I want to give you an opportunity to use the practice of communion in here, in our service, to inspire a life of gratitude every day of the week. So in the seat back in front of you is a small piece of paper that looks like this. It's got like a prayer starter on it. So I want you to go ahead and grab that out of the seat back in front of you. And the prayer starter says, thank you God for, and there's a blank, and then the word because, and another blank. And as we pause right now in our service to pass the communion trays, I want you to use this prayer starter to thank God for a gift that he's given you could be the love and forgiveness that we receive through the gift of Jesus on the cross. could be a person or a situation in our life. It could be something very private, just between you and God. If you want to write on the paper, that's fine. Go ahead and write right on there. If you just want to use it kind of as a prayer guide so that you can say the prayer inside your head and fill in the blanks as you go, that's fine too. But I want you to take this with you. Take it with you and use it as a way to start um, a dialogue with God. It was a way to say a thank you prayer on a regular basis. Our um, God came to earth in the form of Jesus so that we could have a close personal, interactive relationship with him. And prayer is one of the anchors of that relationship. So as the ushers come forward to pass the offering trays, offering trays, um, no, communion trays, <laughs> use this time to worship God by responding to him with gratitude. Well, as we come to church each week to recalibrate ourselves by learning about God through the Bible, singing about what we believe, sharing communion together, and praying prayers of gratitude, the easier it is to regularly live out the challenge that's found in verse 17. Verse 17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
we start in here learning what it means to follow God, and then we start to speak these truths out loud in songs, in prayers, in conversations with other people, and pretty soon, following Jesus permeates our entire lives. We start to consider what it looks like to say or do everything in the name of Jesus. And the phrase, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, starts to describe the way we live. Here's what it looks like. We make decisions that reflect priorities that honor God. We blame less and we forgive more. We speak kind words instead of harsh ones. We give our best to our families instead of just showing up. We're characterized by generosity and love towards other people. And the name of Jesus is on our minds and it's spoken out loud on a regular basis. We've been filled up with God and then we pour out God to other people. There's a phrase that I've heard that really embodies this, what it means to live out this whatever you do part of this verse. And it's the phrase time, talents, and treasures. It's really a picture of the currency of our lives, don't you think? I mean, time is self-explanatory. We all get the same amount of time each day, 24 hours. Um, talents refer to our giftedness, what we're good at. And treasures are a reference to our financial worth, our money, or our financial resources. It doesn't mean that you have gold or silver piled up at your house. Really, any amount of money is a treasure to God. But you can really tell what fills a person up by how they pour out their time, their talents, and their treasures. What priority is reflected in how they spend their time? How do they use the gifts and the talents that God has given them to influence the world? Where do they spend their treasures or their money? Do they hoard it all for themselves or do they generously share it with other people? One of the ways that we launch into worshiping in whatever you do during our services, our church services, is by passing the offering bags. The offering time prepares all of us for worshiping God with our time, talents, and treasures Monday through Friday. So we start with our treasure or our money during the church service, and we talk about generosity. We talk about giving as an act of worship. And then we provide opportunities for you to worship God with your time and your talents all week long. We organize serving opportunities in our community. We invite you to serve in our ministries right here at River Glen because worship is a response, and we're filled up to pour out to other people. So we're going to pause again, and we're going to use the offering time today to consider what it means to evolve from a person who worships God on the weekends in a church service to a person who worships God in whatever they do, in word or deed, Monday through Friday. Now, some of you put something in the offering bag every time you're here, and some of you give your treasure through our online giving system before you ever get here. That's great. That's how my family gives. And for some of you, you've never given any of your treasure to God. And so today might be your first time to take advantage of this opportunity. But I want this time to be meaningful for everyone here. And so I want to give you a chance to consider how you could worship God in whatever you do. So I'm going to ask you to do something unique today during the offering time. As the bags are passed, I want every person to touch the offering bag. Put your hand on the handle. Touch the bag itself. And I want you to do that because if you touch the offering bag, if this has become kind of a routine time for you, by slowing down and actually touching it, this will make it a more tactile experience, which makes it more likely that you'll remember this moment. Now, if you have something to put in the offering bag, obviously this is the time to do that. But I want everyone here to put a hand on the bag as it goes by. And then I want you to say a prayer 
as you pass it to the next person. And I put the prayer up on the screen. It says, God, show me how to worship you in whatever I do with my time, my talents, and my treasures. And I want to take just a minute to talk to those people who are watching us online because obviously you don't have an offering bag being passed to you. So I want you to just take this time, just take a moment and go and grab whatever it is that you hold your treasures in. Maybe it's your purse or your wallet or that big glass jar with all the coins on your dresser, but go grab that and hold on to it, touch it during this time and then say the prayer with us. So touch the offering bag, say the prayer on the screen, and then after you pray, I want you to be quiet and listen. Listen to see if the Holy Spirit impresses something on your heart. You know, maybe God will whisper to you that you need to be a little bit more generous with your time in your relationships. Maybe he'll encourage you to use that talent you have with numbers to serve one of our local nonprofits. Or maybe you'll get the sense that it's time to take your love for kids into our kid life or student life programs here at River Glen. Don't be surprised if you hear something in your spirit from God's spirit as you pray. So as the ushers come forward to pass the offering bags, let's all pray. God, show me how to worship you in whatever I do with my time, talents, and treasures. Well, when we're filled up with God and his spirit, we're primed to worship God with our whole lives. That's why we're so intentional about each week when we come together as a church to worship and celebrate together. We need church services to recalibrate our hearts and our minds towards the things of God. And in this space, we're filled up with learning so that we can pour out teaching and wisdom to other people all week long. In this space, we're filled up with singing so that we can pour out a spirit of gratitude in our prayers. And in this space, we're filled up with generosity so that we can pour out by serving others in Jesus' name all week long. What would it look like if this whole church worshiped God in whatever we did, in word or deed, in the name of Jesus? We could really make a scene in Waukesha County, couldn't we? We would start living out the truth we learn each week, showing love and kindness and patience and forgiveness to other people. We would live lives of thankfulness, possibly even breaking out in song as we remember what's true of us as followers of Christ. We would make decisions in our lives based on the truth of the Bible when it comes to our relationships and our finances and our schedules. And we would serve others with our time and our talents and our treasures. You know, there's an opportunity um, to worship God by serving our community coming up in just a few weeks. We're getting ready for our super cool back-to-school event that we do with Whittier Elementary in Waukesha. And we can use our treasure to go out and purchase a brand new back-to-school outfit for one of those students. Next weekend, there's going to be a table in the lobby where you can pick up a bag and you can go and return it with a brand new outfit for one of those kids at Whittier. We could use our talents at this event to interact with Whittier families, or maybe you have the talent of cutting hair. We're specifically looking for people with that particular talent of cutting hair for this event. We could use our time to staff the clothing area or serve lunch or run one of the game stations. There's going to be a sign-up link on our website, and you'll also see a place to sign up in your weekly What's Happening email. 
Worship is a response, and we're filled up in here so that we can pour out every day of the week. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you're completely tracking with me. You're nodding your head. You're saying, yes, I know what she means about getting filled up in the church service and pouring out and worship to God every day of the week. But I think some of you are looking at me like my kids looked at that King Tut video. And you're thinking to yourself, Sue, some of what you're saying is just weird. And if that's you, it's okay. This is, I'm glad you're here today because this is a safe place to explore what it means to have faith in God, to explore what it looks like to live a life of worship. But if there's something stirring inside of you today, I want to encourage you to consider your next step. Maybe some of the things that I asked you to do today were firsts for you. For the first time, you actually thought about the words to a song that you sang. For the first time, you prayed a prayer of gratitude while you took communion. And for the first time, you considered how your time, your talents, and your treasures could be a response to faith in God. You know, today we're offering a chance for anyone who wants to, to declare publicly that you want to live a life poured out in worship. For some of us, the best response we could have today is to get baptized. You know, last night we baptized eight people at our baptism bash. We baptized someone during the first service, and we're offering baptisms again this morning right over here in our baptistry. And if you're already signed up to get baptized, you can go and head out right now and get changed. But if you haven't signed up, maybe you feel like God is telling you that today is your day. You know, if that's you, we have everything you need to participate. We have t-shirts, we have shorts, we have towels, we even have undergarments. And there's people at a table out in the lobby, they want to help you get all set up so that you can participate in baptism today. In baptism, we unite with Jesus by reenacting his death, his burial, and his resurrection. As we go down into the water, we die to the old person that we used to be. And when we come up out of the water, we begin a new life, a life of worship. And sometimes people will ask this question. They'll say, I've been baptized before. Do I need to do it again? And if you were baptized as a baby or a young child like I was, I always encourage those people to do it again because your parents probably made that decision for you the first time and they did it because they wanted what was best for you. It was really meaningful to them at the time. But baptism by immersion, it's a way to declare that the decision to follow Jesus with your whole life, to worship him with your whole life, it's your decision. And it's a way to drive a stake in the ground, to start fresh and declare a commitment to following Jesus. And we would gladly do that for you today. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, I have family and friends who aren't here. They'd want to see this. You know what? We have a photographer that's here ready to take pictures, and you can share that with your family and friends. If you want to respond to God today, if you want to say, I'm ready to worship you in whatever I do, baptism is your first step. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. I'm going to pray. And if you want to respond today by taking the step of baptism, just go ahead and slip out while I'm praying. Head to the lobby, and someone out there will get you all set up. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are so thankful that you created the church so that we have a place to come and to recalibrate our hearts and our minds towards you. Thank you for being a personal God who loves to be at work in our lives. Help us to come to church each week expecting to be filled up, God, and then help us to worship you by responding to what we received. Father, we pray for lives that are characterized day in and day out, Monday through Friday, with worship to you. 
Help us to see ways to take whatever we do and use it as an opportunity to worship you um, with our words, with our actions, with our time and our talents and our treasures. God, we pray for those who are deciding to respond today by taking the step of baptism. God, I pray that you would help this day, this moment, to be a stake in the ground for them so that they can look back and they can remember a day that they chose to worship you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.